Quickly take your Bibles and turn to the second uh, book of Second Timothy, chapter three. <clears throat> and while you guys turn there, this has nothing to do with this morning's service. I just have it on my heart to quickly mention this: that throughout the time and throughout the the, the church, um, the opportunity we have to attend church and be with church, um, every Sunday is an important Sunday. Every, every message that is, that is preached from this pulpit is an, is an important message, not because of the preacher, please, but because of the, the God we are preaching about and the lesson we are, um, the information that we gather from this book. So as you see there in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 17, it's, we start reading there at verse 16, all Scripture, the Bible says, is, in, uh, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and, uh, correction for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And you can only be thoroughly furnished and you can have everything you need in the kitchen and everything you need in the living room and everything you need in the bedroom and everything you need in the bathroom if you attend Sunday after Sunday and if you sit under Bible-believing, preaching and teaching Sunday after Sunday because one Sunday we, they, they might preach about the living room and you can be thoroughly furnished in the living room but you lack maybe in the dining room or you lack in the study. And that, that lesson is preached on next Sunday. So it might take some time, but every Sunday is so important to sit under Bible-believing preaching and sit with the Bible in your lap and open the Word of God and see what He has for you. So with that in mind, um, I, have a, I have a lesson that I, or a sermon this morning. It's called The Pursuit of Godliness. I want to share a couple of thoughts with you throughout this. I think I've said this before every service that I've preached the last couple of, of the month, month or two that has passed, but... The, the topic of godliness is so vast, it is so deep, it is so, um, uh, I mean, I, I don't think you can necessarily work through all the resources there is or in one setting of 30, 40 minutes work through what godliness is completely about and, and how that applies to our life. But still, this is one building block of us to be thoroughly furnished. And I think godliness is such an important thing. In the, uh, in, in, in the life, I say such an important thing, probably the most important thing in the life of a Christian. And funny enough, in the Bible, there is um, the, the word godliness, I think it, it only appears, I think, like 17 times, and it's all in the New Testament. And I think 80% of that 17 times, it appears in the book of Second Timothy and the book of First Peter, Second Peter, First and Second Peter. Very interesting to see that those two books are referring to a lot of the end times and how um, Paul and Peter both constantly refer to the importance of godliness. And I think it's a lot lost art these days because we don't, it's not a tangible thing. It's not something we can say, yes, I am pursuing a better career and I can see that I'm getting a promotion, I'm, 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 I'm doing different, I'm, more responsibilities or whatever it might be. It's not something tan tangible, although it is although it is something tangible, it only, although it is something that you can see, I've, I've grown in, this, in the matter of temperance, self-temperance. I've grown in the matter of pride. I've grown in the matter of um, familiarizing myself with this book. And these days, godliness is, is some sort of a, I'll do it when I have time. Um, and it's kind of like New Year's resolutions, right? We jump into this thing by saying, 
it's a new year, it's a new me, this is, this is the year for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose that extra 10Ks, I'm going to start jogging 10Ks, I'm going to uh, uh, send my application form through to the gym, I'm going to be at every church service, I'm going to read my Bible, done by the end of January. <clears throat> and we set ourselves these ex- absolutely crazy goals, which is it's not a problem, but after month one, we're back to square one, nothing has changed, why? And I think it's because of the perspective um, and the, the pursuit, the wrong pursuit that we are pursuing. So by the time we have here this morning, I want to preach to you a short sermon called The Pursuit of Godliness. And I think before we get into this, let's just bow our heads and have a quick word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, we, we come to you this morning and we thank you for the privilege we had, Lord, of, of being in church once again. Father, we can, we can start off a new year um, with, with you, God, and we can, we can be sure, Father, that, that you are in this room. Lord, I, I pray with an honest heart, God, that you would please use uh, your word today, Father. Use me, use this, <clears throat> this notes in front of me, God, and use it for your glory. Father, change me, change me, change the people here in this room today, Father. Speak to us. God, and not just that, but would you give us ears to hear, Father. With the, with the New Year's resolutions that we have set for ourselves, God, might, might that include you, Father? Might that be you, Father? And might one of them be that we need to be more like you? God, and I pray <clears throat> that this lesson would be a building block towards that, Father, and that we can stand at the end of this year, um, in December, Father, <clears throat> and uh, look back, Father, and see what we have accomplished with you. Father, and, and, and for you, Father, Father, and by your grace. So I do pray that you will use this, Father, time this morning allowed to us and change us, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <coughs> I'm sorry, guys. <coughs> so I think the first thing we need to look at this morning is what is godliness? What it is, what it is not. I think defining the word before we dive into it is probably the the best thing to, to come from. And to be quite honest, it's pretty simple, right? I mean, if, if I ask you to define godliness, it, I don't think it's a massive scientific word. You're not going to struggle to define this word. I mean, it's, it's in, in its essence, it's God-likeness, right? And I think before we get to what it is, let's just quickly look at what it is not. So we read in, in the Bible, and in, in I think it's in Second Timothy, where Paul writes uh, to Timothy saying, speaking about busybodies, but busybodies in the church and people running to and fro. And, and I want to use that phrase to say godliness is, it does not equal busyness, all right? Or busyness does not equal godliness. And what I mean by that is uh, people being involved in church does not equate that they are more godly than somebody else. And I think a lot of times people say, well, the busier I am with the things of God, the closer I moves, move towards God. That, 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 is, that is not the case. Unfortunately, that is not the case. So busyness does not equal godliness. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 5, we read how Paul speaks about a form, people having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And he says, from such, turn away. If we look at what that word form of godliness, the form means, it, it refers to a shape or a silhouette or a shadow or some outlining of it, but it's without substance. Okay? It's kind of like if I put on a Superman suit, all right? I have the form of Superman, all right? 
but I don't have any power of Superman. I should not go and jump off buildings thinking that I have the power that Superman has. And so people go around, and we call that religion, right? We call that religion. People sit in church and they say, because I am here, because I'm doing the things of God, I'm sitting in church, I'm reading my Bible, I am praying, I am pursuing a religion and not a relationship. And that also is not the right definition of godliness. Um, religion does not equal godliness. Also, it does not refer to mountaintop experiences. Now, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm referring to that is a lot of the, the New Age churches, it's a massive emotional sweep up every Sunday. So people walk out of the church very emotional, very, very high on cloud nine, and they move from mountaintop experience to mountaintop experience, and they thrive on that. And guys, unfortunately, I'm not saying that you being emotional and being stirred up, is anyth there's anything wrong with that. But please don't take that as the image of saying, oh, so that is the image or that is the picture that I should pursue for godliness. Because that mountaintop experiences does not equal godliness. Then a couple of Sundays back, um, I think at the beginning of December, we watched a movie in church. I think it was called Time Chasers. And as many of you would remember, in that movie, sorry, spoiler alert, spoiler alert but in the movie, um, it ended off them preaching good morals, them just preaching morals, and they fast forward a couple of years and they see where that ended up. And unfortunately, good morals does not equal godliness. Am I saying good morals are wrong? Not at all. You should have manners. And we will read in the book of Second Peter a little bit later where Paul, uh, Peter refers to you, add to your virtue. Um, knowledge and so on and so forth, but that virtue is referring to good morals. But please don't take good morals as that is the end and be all of godliness. That all adds up to, but it is not. And lastly, guys, godliness is not a destination. It is not something I type into the GPS and, they, and it, the, the, the GPS says turn left, turn right, you, you, the destination is on your left, and that is it. Destin uh, this is not a destination, but rather a journey. Now, if we know what, now, now that we know what godliness is not, and, and I know I haven't turned you to any verses specifically, there are verses for all of this, but so if you just bear with me, I, we, will, we will turn to, uh, to a verse momentarily. But now that we have looked at what godliness is not, take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians uh, 4, and we'll quickly look lay a little bit of groundwork, and then we will get into what, what it is, and we look at a couple of other things about godliness. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, we're going to start by reading there in verse 20. <coughs> Ephesians 4 and verse 20. And Paul said there in Ephesians 4 and verse 20, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now look here, verse 22. That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which, is after, uh, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. All right? God is holy. Right? That, that we, we, we know that. So godliness and holiness is, is, is words we can use together. Now keep that at the back of your mind. Verse 22, Paul said here that you put off. Verse 24, he said that you put on, and he's referring to righteousness and true holiness. Take your Bibles and turn to, turn to the book of Second Peter chapter 1. 
Second Peter chapter 1. Please do keep that at the back of your mind. We need to put on, we need to put off. It's righteousness and it is holiness. Second Peter chapter 1. If you're there, we can start reading there in verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to read a couple of verses and then we will get back. Um, Then we'll start with with verse 1 again. Verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things, that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us unto glory and virtue. There is that word. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the word uh, through lust. Then he gives a couple of... Uh, <coughs> let's read that. Verse 5. And beside this... Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. That's the good morals. And to your virtue, knowledge. We read there in verse 2, he said, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. And in verse 3, again at the end there, he said, through the knowledge of Him. And now he said, that knowledge comes into play with your salvation. And to knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. Acting like God. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. And again, here's that phrase again, knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now we saw that uh, Paul said in Ephesians, put off, put on. Okay? So that is the process of godliness. That is us being conformed to the image of Christ. Okay, now I took kind of a turn to get here. We put off, we put on. What do we put off? We put off the former conversation. We put off the old man, all the lusts and the sin of the flesh. We put away and we put on this, what Paul said here in verse 2, that you through the knowledge of God, we put on that knowledge. How do we put on the knowledge? By studying and knowing more about God. According as His divine power, verse 3, has given unto us, This God has given this unto us, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now you say, okay, but where is it? I haven't seen it. I haven't touched it. He has given it to you. It's your responsibility to delve into this book. Because he said, through, pertaining unto life and godliness, verse 3, through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. So godliness is God-likeness. Godliness is putting off the old man and pursuing by putting on this new man after the image of Jesus Christ. There is something else I wanted to say here as well. Oh, that is it. Before we can proceed, now this is just a parenthesis, guys. Before we can pursue godliness, Peter said there in verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained the like precious faith. Before anybody can pursue godliness, you need to be saved. Okay? I'm not going to delve into that. I'm not going to make a, a big, um, big lesson out of that. I think most of, every, most of everybody here knows uh, salvation, and, and I, I hope you can explain that 
here this morning. But Paul Peter said the prerequisite for godliness is being saved. So that is step one. Get yourself right with God. And step two, it's a kind of, I want to say, a, a lifelong thing. Step two is not step one. Is we, we can get that done, all right? And we can move on from that. But step two is where time comes in. Because godliness is the lifelong pursuit of being more like Christ. We never get to a point where we said, as I've said, well, godliness is not. We never get to the point where we say we have reached the end goal of godliness. We have reached the full personification and perfection of godliness. That is not possible. And I think the perspective that a lot of people have is, but that is just too much. I, I don't want to get into that. I don't want to pursue this my li- uh, for the rest of my life. I don't want to continue working on that for the rest of my life because it is just too much work. And I'm not sure if you have ever signed a contract and then afterwards somebody calls you and they say, hey, but you have a responsibility now. And you said, no, no. And you go and you read the contract that you have signed and you say, oh, oh my goodness, I have a responsibility that I didn't know about, but I've already committed to this responsibility. And I think a lot of times Christians, they get saved because that's what Christians do. That's what, that's what we do. And afterwards, we kind of get the contract. We start reading this book and we say, oh, wow, I, I signed up for that and that and that and that. Oh, but I don't want to do that anymore. You can't get out of this one. Sorry, eh? But the Bible says that, that this contract that you have signed, you have a responsibility towards God. You have a responsibility towards other people. And now that old dreaded question, many of you have kids, and I think you have heard the stage where it's the why. It's, but, but why? All right, but, but why? And the question comes in, all right, but why do I need to pursue godliness? I've completed step one. I'm saved. I know Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm coming to church. I'm reading my Bible now and then, but, but why do I need to pursue godliness? Why do, I need to, why do I need to get into this battle and into this, I want to say race, into this um, responsibility of pursuing godliness? Why? Well, I'm thinking I'm getting ahead of myself here, but guys, that's, that's how people see who God is. All right, God is not here. Jesus is not here to say, Hi, I am Jesus. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He went up and said, I will give you the comforter. When I give you that comforter, you be fishers of men. And so people look at you and they say, Oh, so you are, you are pursuing godliness. Why? Why are you pursuing? Oh, the, re- the fact that they say, Oh, so you are pursuing godliness. Is, a, is, is one way of saying, okay, so that is why I should do that. Because people need to see that. People need to start asking questions about that and say, I want to know more about that. That does not mean you're going to get everything right. That does not mean you're never going to sin. That does not mean you are, will, will be perfecting godliness. But you pursuing godliness, being upfront, honest with somebody asking about it, they see you making mistakes, but you manning up to it and saying, you know what, this is not God-likeness. That is the process of conforming. You being open, upfront, and honest about yourself. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. So we get to the fact that godliness is not busyness. It is not mountaintop experience. It is not just good morals. It is not a destination. But it is the knowledge of God. It is the lifelong process of conforming and changing. And I think one of, there's many New Year's resolutions going around, but I, I want to I maybe change the wording of that and saying, what is your goals, your spiritual goals for this year? Where do you, if you stand, if you put yourself in December 2020 already and you look back, what do you want to have accomplished this year 
for God. And it might be time, a good time for you to, to sit back and really think about that. Where do I want to be next year? Do I want to be at the same spot? Do I want to be uh, finished, my, finished reading my Bible in one year? I want to know God better. Uh, what, what are your, uh, your goals for this year? And I hope one of them is, I want to grow in the knowledge of God. I want to know more about who this God is that I am serving. I want to know more about what my responsibilities are towards Him, for Him dying on the cross. So, we have looked now at godliness, what it is, what it is not. And I have two points um, that I want to talk about is what does godliness look like in the life of a Christian? And then secondly, how does it work? How, how does godliness work? So first of all, we're going to look at what does it look in the life of a Christian? And again, I think this topic, there's, we can make a very long list of, of, of things that you can identify in individuals' lives to say that is godliness. And I, I tried, I've, I thought about this, I, I summed it up into two things. One is it's conscious obedience, conscious obedience. And the th second thing is it's constant training. That is how it looks like in the life of a Christian. So first of all, we're going to look at it's conscious obedience, conscious obedience. So take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to quickly have a look at probably the best example there is of conscious obedience and uh, maybe get a better, better idea of the responsibility that we have towards God to fulfill, um, pursue godliness. Pursue godliness. So in Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 26 and verse 36, it's something that we all know. I'm not going to spend a lot of time reading here. I want to read one, one verse, and it's verse 39, 26 and 39. And it's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is now praying to God to, um, with, with uh, well, he took some of his disciples, and he went a little bit, and he went on a little bit further, and um, he prayed, and he said there, uh, verse 39, and he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Now again, it's something, a passage we all know. Do we think at any time that what Jesus had to go through here was easy? Do we think and look at this and say, yeah, but there's no problem going through that. That is easy. By no stretch of imagination, we will say that. By no stretch of imagination, we will say that Jesus um, this was an e easy thing for him to accomplish. And I look at that and I say, by no means do we ever in life go through anything that Jesus went through here. But at the worst time where Jesus, Jesus could have decided to say, I'm not going further, he chose what was right over what was easy. There was conscious obedience involved. He looked at this and he said, not my will, but thine be done. There was nothing wrong by saying, I don't want to do this. There is nothing wrong by saying, this task ahead of me, it's going to be tough. It is going to be hard. This lifelong process, this pursuit of godliness, it's not going to be easy always. It's not going to be moonshine and roses. It's not going to be just a smooth, tarred road. There are going to be some times where we're going to look at this and say, 
Uh, Lord, I don't want to do this. Not my will, but thine be done. And that is part of the pursuit of godliness, to say, I'm not going to do what is easy. I'm going to do what is right. And I'm going to determine that in my heart now, this morning here. This year, I'm going to approach with that attitude. God, I'm going to put my needs, and whatever I need, second. Lord, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. God, You will give me the grace to get through this. And that is, that is the mindset that we need to get in to say, Lord, I am pursuing godliness with all that I have. Maybe the, the, easy, the easy thing for you here this morning is to say, I'm just going to keep on doing what I am doing, what I have been doing last year, what I have been doing the year before. I'm, I'm in this routine and I'm comfortable with it. That might be the easy thing to do. The right thing might be to do is, Lord, I lay down my life for you this morning. We're, we're, we're at the start of a new year. I don't know how many of you, I think all of you will probably be familiar with the word procrastination. Um, when I was a student, I would always uh, trick myself into saying, no, no, I will st- it is currently 10.17. I will start at 11 o'clock because nobody can start studying when it is at, a, at an odd number, right? You need to start on the hour, like something's going to change. And the hour rolls by and it's two minutes past 11 and I say, oh, I missed the deadline. I'll start at 10 past, all right? I'll start at 10 past. And then 10 past rolls by and then I go and sit and it takes me another 20 minutes before I can start studying. But we procrastinate. We put off what is important because it's sometimes tough. We, we don't have the energy for that. And I want to say that the procrastination of last year, I will do that next year. I'll start 1st of January. I'll start then reading my Bible. Guys, it is already the 9th of January, so let's, let's start today. Let's stop procrastinating and saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start today. And as I said, the easy thing is to say, I'm just going to continue as is. The right thing might be to say is, let's put this procrastination aside and start today. Lord, it is not going to be easy. And I'm not saying that Every step of the way, it's, it's tough, it's hard, and, and it's a battle, and it's blood, sweat, and tears, and you're always tired. There are more, uh, what do I want to say? I want to say mountaintop experiences with God, and what I mean by that, it's, it's times you look out and you say, wow, God is good. Wow, Lord, you've given me another day. You've given me a wife. You've given me a kid. You've given me a job. You are good. Lord, and it is a privilege. I was reminded of it this week again. It is a privilege to serve God. It is not me looking at this and saying, oh, these responsibilities are just getting to me. There are more times that I look at this and say, Lord, it's overwhelming to the the privilege I have of serving you. The privilege I have of of seeing you operate in my day-to-day life. Not just on a Sunday morning. And I hope that, that you don't put on your Spider-Man clothes, you, that form of your Superman clothes, that form of godliness on a Sunday morning. You have the form of godliness. You have that silhouette. You have that shadow. But it's empty. There's no substance in it. And I hope if you're honest with yourself, everybody of us in here, me including, and I'll be the first one to say that I need God to work in my heart. I want to experience more of God in my life, saying, change that, do that differently, put that aside, spend more time with me here. Those times are precious. 
It's at the end of those times you look back and you say, this was a great opportunity for growth. In, in the book of First Peter, Second Peter 1, we said that you might be, there was a phrase there, that you might be partakers. God, is not, it's not dead set for everybody to pursue godliness. Some people just say, step one, I'm going to get saved, and that's where they stop. Godliness, it's, it's not you saying, oh, I need to pursue godliness. It's you saying, I want to pursue godliness. I want to get closer to God. I want to do this. Isn't it so much better in a relationship when somebody says, you know what, I want to help you, rather you telling them, hey, man, you need to be there Thursday to come and help me move my house. You, you have to be there. That kind of puts the whole thing, the whole fun out of it. I, I want to do this. I want to show you that I care. I want to show you that, that you mean something to me. And just like that with a relationship with God, Lord, I want to pursue godliness. I want you to have an open field to tell me, change that, do this, do that. And it makes life a little bit easier. So it gets back to constant, uh, sorry, um, uh, conscious obedience conscious obedience and we live in a society my goodness we live in a society that doesn't want to pursue that they want to do um, uh, they want to follow conditional obedience they want to say lord i will follow you and i'll be where i need to be and I'll, I'll 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 have that form of godliness if you do this and this and this and this and just like isaiah in the book of uh, in, in the this is the sixth chapter of isaiah he signed that blank contract and he said, Lord, God asked, who, 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 uh, who will go with us and, and who am I going to send? And Isaiah said, Lord, here am I, send me. And he signed that blank contract and he said, Lord, whatever. I trust you. I fully trust you to do this. And he did not do this whole uh, uh, conditional obedience. He moved past that and says, Lord, it's not, I'm not going to follow you if life is easy. I'm not going to go to church when it is convenient. I'm not going to read my Bible if I have time. Um, I think it was Fanny Crosby that says this, said this about prayer. She said that you need to approach prayer just like you approach every meeting you have to attend every day. It is a responsibility, and you have a time slot set out for that. And, and I'm guilty of that as well, that we approach this by saying, um, and in the past I've, I've, I've fell into this trap numerous times by saying, I'll, I'll pray tomorrow morning, and then life happens. You get up and just something is off. And, and you get 10 o'clock, 11, 12 o'clock a day, and you look back and you say, my goodness, I wanted to have prayed. My heart is that I wanted to have prayed, but life happens. And we need to treat this whole, it's not, it's not conditional obedience. It's not, Lord, if, if my day goes like this, then I will pray. But we look at this and we say, Lord, it is conscious obedience. I'm, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to set out a time to obey you, Lord. And again, I, I cannot refer to any... Well, I can, but I mean, again, the list is going to be long. Referring to a specific task and saying you need to have conscious obedience towards that, 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 and that. But throughout the Bible, you read and God forms you and He says spend more time there and, and, and you need to take a little bit more time with evangelism. You need to take a little bit more time with this knowledge of God, knowing me, knowing what I want from you. We have a lot of examples in the Bible. And um, I think when I, when I say the names, you guys will say, mm, yes, definitely, that guy's a good example. Or, yes, I can see where, where this, this whole conscious obedience, conscious obedience, I am going to follow God. Um, it doesn't matter what. Noah, do you think that was easy? Him looking God saying, build a boat. All right, God, let's build a boat. Fine, how big do it need to be? I can, small dinghy? No, big, build a big boat. 
and people laughed at him. And throughout that, I definitely think he doubted himself numerous times, saying, did I hear that correctly? But he says, I'm going to obey God. So I'd rather make a fool out of myself and say, Lord, this is what you said I need to do. Conscious obedience. Then saying, Lord, when the rain falls, I will build this boat on the condition that if the rain starts falling, I'll build this boat. And we should get away from that conditional obedience and get to the point where you say, I'm going to consciously obey what God has said. Moses, leading the people out of Israel, he didn't know what he got into. Jonah, preaching to Nineveh, he didn't want to do that. He said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do it. Paul said in, in, in the New Testament there, if I'm going I'm I'm to evangelize. If it's, if it's uh, with my will or against my will, but the dispensation of the gospel is given unto me, and I'm, I'm going to preach it. And that whole conscious obedience come back to this, in this pursuit of godliness, by saying, I need to get that mind shift change. In the book of, of Romans, Romans chapter 12, um, and we'll probably look at it a little bit later, but Paul said there, you need to be renewed. Um, by your, your mind needs to be renewed. And that renewing takes time. Um, Pastor Mike has said it a couple of times, and, and I, I experienced it also, but the hardest part of learning is unlearning. The hardest part where we sit is to say, I have to stop doing it that way, and I have to start doing it this way. And that takes a conscious effort, because it's so easy to fall back in that rut. I don't know how many of you are familiar with uh, uh, or have done 4x4 four four in mud. They're driving a 4x4 four four in mud, and usually when you are in a mud pool, and there's two, uh, a set of two tracks, and it's a little bit deep, and you are in that, it's very hard to get out of that. Because if you just slightly turn, you will constantly fall back into that track. You have to make a conscious effort and possibly with the help of other people by saying, guys, we need to turn the direction of this vehicle and make a consecrated effort to get out of this rut and continue in another way. Otherwise, if I just say, yes, I'm going to try and get out. Oh, it doesn't work. I'll just continue. It's not going to help saying, I need to make a difference. Let's turn this vehicle around and go on with that. <clears throat> and then secondly, we spoke about the, the conscious obedience. And secondly, I want to refer you guys to um, take your Bibles and turn to the book of First Timothy. First Timothy. And the second point under um, what does it look like in the life of a Christian? What does godliness look like in the life of a Christian? First of all, it is conscious obedience. Lord, I am going to do what you have told me to do regardless. And the second thing is constant training. Constant training. And we read there in the book of First Timothy chapter 4 and verse uh, 7. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible says, but refuse profane and old wife fables, wives fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Can I just say this, that Paul, uh, Paul said here that bodily exercise profiteth little, that does not nullify your New Year's resolution of going and starting exercising, okay? It's, it profiteth little, it still profiteth, all right? Let's, let's just get that straight. But in verse 7, he says, Profuse, uh, But refuse profane and old wife fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Exercise thyself unto godliness. Exercise. 
we well know that we should exercise. We well know that that is required of us to live a healthy life. We cannot just sit back and expect to live a healthy life if we don't put in the work. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. We've read that all things, that same phrase is found in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 and 3, if you want to have a look at that later. But godliness is profitable unto all things. We need to take this phrase of godliness and apply it to our lives by saying, this is not something I go to the shop, buy, take home, and put on the shelf. Just like I view exercise. Guys, have you seen somebody that has just trained for an hour very hard? possibly jogged, I don't know, 10 kilometers or a marathon of 42 or a 90 kilometers. Have you seen people completing that? They look rough, all right? It's blood, sweat, and tears everywhere, and this is, give me water, food, give me something. I'm tired. And we kind of look that at godliness, and I want to ask the question, how do you feel and look after a great exercise of godliness? And exercising in that means that when God get when God get a hold of you and He says, "Hey, I want you to change that, change that, change that," that sometimes gets messy, because in the in the book of Galatians chapter five it says that the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these two are contrary, the one to the other, that you cannot do the things that you would. So when God says, "Change this, changes your flesh," it no 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 we're very comfortable here we are. We're just going to continue as there's enough other things in life that I need to change and that I don't have control over. But this, I'm way too comfortable in this. And uh, the whole idea of, of training, the whole idea of it is a responsibility and, and you are responsible for that. Nobody else can come and say, hey, you need to start exercising. That's a little bit offensive, eh? Why? Why do I need to start exercising? Do I look fat? Do I look unfit? Do I look unhealthy? But somebody might come to you and say, hey, do you want to start jogging with me? That sounds a little bit better. And so we provoke each other unto love and good works through this constant training. We say, hey guys, I've started this new program. Why don't you try it? I've started this new Bible reading plan and it really works for me. I have, and that's why testifying is so important. That is standing up and saying, you know what, God has spoken to me or God has worked in my heart and God has changed this. And you know what, it was not always fun. And I went through that and I, I cried myself to sleep. And it was, as I've said, blood, sweat and tears. But you know what, I stand at the end saying, I am more fit, I feel more healthy and I can look back at the experience that I've gained and said, Lord, this is going to take me for the rest of my life. But it is constant training. You know the best diet is the one that you, have not, that, that you do not have to start or stop. Okay? And what I refer by that is 90% of the diets going around is saying 28 days or 6 weeks or 4 months or whatever. You have to do this and then you will lose X amount of weight. Okay, and, what, what, and then after that, what, what then? Do I, just, do I go back to what I did and then what do I do? The best diet is the healthy lifestyle. Now, of course, I get there is a period of time where you want to maybe reach something. and You say, you know what, I'm going to cut off of this and this and this because I want to kind of reorganize my body or, or, uh, uh, in a certain way to want certain things. It's the same way with godliness. 
We kind of withhold from certain things to say, God, I'm going to focus on, on the healthy food that I'm going to get from you now, the healthy diet, and I'm going to constantly train myself in this. When I was at school and we uh, had practice for, for rugby, we would run and run our hearts out when the coach is there. When he says run, and he says you have to run, I don't know how many laps around the rugby field, when he turns his back, everybody... Ooh, and when he looks again, you kind of run again. And we, we have that same effort. We, we tell kids that way. You don't be naughty. Jesus is watching. Do we believe that? Hey, you better start exercising. Jesus is watching. You better start pursuing godliness. Jesus is watching. We're very quick to say, yes, we're two or three are gathered together. There is Jesus in the midst of them. Do you truly believe he is here this morning? And if you do, because I do, and then I feel very, very um, unqualified to stand here. I do not feel worthy of saying, Lord, I have the responsibility to share your word this morning. God, that is a massive task. But I believe God is here, and I believe He is sitting here this morning and working in the hearts of us in here this morning by saying, pursue godliness. Pursue godliness with everything that you have. And I say again that it takes the conscious obedience. It takes you saying, I'm going to do this whether it's easy or not. And it takes you making a decision saying, I am going to have this consistent training. You know, training is a lot harder if it's not consistent. If you jog on a Monday morning and then you take three weeks off and you jog again on a Tuesday morning and you take another week off and you, you jog on a Saturday and then you take a week off and you jog in the afternoon and then you take a week off, it, you, you're, it's going to be deadly every time because you never get to a point where you work hard, you reach a point, you're stronger, you're fitter, you have more experience and you say, now let's go from goal to goal. It's harder the first two weeks of training to say, I need to change my routine, as Romans said. I have to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I have to have a different perspective on this training. Because this training, it's lifelong. And when I say that, even my flesh cringes and say, oh, oh, you're going to go this for like till you die. You're going to like always work and it's always going to be a battle and it's always going to be you uh, striving uh, to do better and striving to, to, to put the flesh down. Yes, yes. And that's why we get to a point where this is so important. Because in here, in the break before church, we get to catch up. We get to say, how is your pursuit of godliness going? Now, it might not necessarily be articulated exactly like that, but you finding out from somebody, how are you, goes a long way. And that's where this whole YouTube thing doesn't always work. Now, again, I'm not going to get into, into, into that. That's a, that's a whole, whole other subject. But constant training. There gets, there's certain times where I've had a, a gym buddy or somebody I, I exercise with, and there's mornings where I don't want to exercise. But the fact that I know I'm doing it with somebody, and I don't want to necessarily want to let them down, that helped me get up. If I was on my own, I would have probably slept in. And if you renew your mind by saying, your gym buddy is there, Jesus, he is there. And he has perfected the whole exercise story. He has perfected the whole dietary uh, 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 requirements. I just need to follow his example. 
I literally have to show up and say, well, Jesus, you do, I follow. You do, I follow. Jesus, is this right? Is this how you, yeah, yeah. Wow, this is easy. And Jesus is there every step of the way saying, all right, tomorrow morning we do this again. There's going to be times where the gym program is going to ease up. We're going to focus on some other things. If, if it gets boring, it's your fault. If Christianity gets boring, it's your fault. Start focusing on other things. If Bible reading is boring, stop starting, uh, stop starting at Genesis and trying to read through it in Revelation. Mix it up. Read a proverb every day. I have a great, anyway, again, I have a great Bible reading plan that I started off this year. Me and Janae, we are, we are thoroughly enjoying it. Honestly, mix it up. Make it fun. And if nothing of that works, just get back to the point by saying Jesus died for us on the cross. So if there's one reason that I can change my heart and my mind to this, it's because of Him. And it's for Him. And I want to do Him, I want to put a smile on His face. And then lastly, how does this work? Take your Bibles and turn to John. We are busy closing here this morning. John, John 15. John 15. John 15. And a lot of words I've used this morning can be used um, interchangeably. A lot of them mean the same. A lot of them are, are under the same umbrella. But justification and sanctification and, conf uh, and, and conforming and purging and all of that works together in the pursuit of godliness. And in John chapter 15, we read Jesus speaking here and he's saying, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Everybody know what a husbandman is? It's somebody that, that tills the ground. It's somebody that takes care of the garden and of the field. Every branch, in verse 2, in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Can I just quickly say this? Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. I will not blame ev anybody for following an exercise program for a month or a two months or three months and not seeing any results, not seeing any fruit. I will not blame every, anybody to say, that is nonsense, that doesn't work. But before you throw that out, just maybe turn it around and say, what can I do differently so that this program will start working? Maybe I need to change a couple of things because I am not bearing any fruit. Before we blame this guide, before we blame the diet, before we blame the exercise program, Let's just take that and turn it inward and say, what can I do differently? Why am I not bearing fruit? And he says there that if you don't bear fruit, he's going to take it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you might think, Lord, why are you purging the, br the branch that brings fruit? You're supposed to purge the branch that doesn't bring fruit. That's unfortunately not how it works. You have to take care of a tree and purge it. Cut off, now I want to say the dead leaves. I want to say cut off the leaves that is not going to bear, not going to support the, the fruit bearing on that branch. You need to, to take care of, of the branches that is, uh, what do I want to say this? The branches that look the best, you need to take the best care of them. 
So what I'm saying is even if there's branches at the bottom of a tree, you sometimes need to cut those off because those are suffocating the top branches. The water and the, and the nutrients are not getting through to the branches to bear more fruit. And sometimes in your life, God is going to say, there's a lot of new leaves and a bunch of nonsense here at the bottom. I think we need to start purging. We need to start cutting it off. It's not a fun process. It's not always that you look and say, yay, I'm going to be cut to pieces. Yay, I'm going to be purged. But God says it is required. Why? Look there in verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, just fruit, he purgeth it. That it may bring forth more fruit. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and in him, uh, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. You guys see how this builds up one of the other. I'm getting purged, but I'm bearing fruit. Lord, purge me. I want to bear more fruit. And we bear more fruit, and we have more experience. And we say, Lord, purge me. I want to bring forth much fruit. And again, we say, Lord, purge me. I want to reach the next level. I want to bring more fruit for you. You see that, that this is not about me. It is not about you. It is not about, I want to say us, but it is about God. And it's about bearing fruit for Him. And it's about bringing souls to Him. And it's about pursuing godliness for him. A lot of what I said today comes down to your attitude on this. Willful obedience, guys, will take time. If you're stuck in a rut, if you're in that muddy pit, and it's, and it's, it's a, a lot of uh, um, um, motor vehicles before you have shredded out this track, and it's, it's just hard to get out of it. it it's going to hurt. This first purging, it's something that you're not used to. And kind of Maybe just say this, take time, be patient with yourself. Be upfront and honest and say, God, here am I, send me, here am I, change me, here am I, work on me. Lord, I lay it all down for you. You have absolutely free will to do whatever you need um, uh, to me so that I can be more godly, so I can pursue godliness. And then you have to be ready to say, God, oh, I don't like hearing that. That's okay. That's okay. That's your flesh. That's okay realizing this is tough. But if you have this perspective that I'm going, I'm going to consciously obey what God said and I'm going to follow this training program consistently, we get back to, to John 15 where, where you will get to a point where this, this purging will happen, guys. And that's what I'm saying. The training doesn't really always, uh, the, the hard part of the training never gets easier. You have, it's, it's a mind shift change to say, I, I am going to do it. And this purging will happen till the day that you die. The purging will happen. And that is part of the pursuit for godliness. And that's part of the, the mind shift and the mind change that, we, that I want us to, to take on this new year by saying, I want to stand at the end of this year, look back and say, Lord, I know you better. Why? Why? Not just because I can say I know you better, but so that I can bring forth fruit, more fruit, much fruit. And, and, and one here in the lifetime of a Christian, guys, it's not a lot. Really biting the bullet and saying, this is the year I'm going to change. I'm going to be the Christian, not that this church needs or that my friend needs, 
but I'm going to be the Christian. I'm going to be a vessel unto honor. I want God to use me. So if by this time I can ask you guys to stand and just quickly close your eyes. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we will be dismissed. And I just want to quickly remind you again of, of what I have said here, that we are, we are in, a, in a pursuit of godliness. We're in a pursuit for God. We're in a pursuit with God to change. We need to get to a point where we consciously obey God and say, Lord, it's not my will, but thine be done. And Jesus was the best example of that. And I want to encourage you that if He can do it, you can do it with His help. And secondly, we need to get, undergo a mind shift that this training program will be running for the rest of your life. You will have a responsibility on yourself to say, I want to do this. I want to work. I want to change. The benefits of exercise is way better than me just thinking about it or me being disappointed about it. So as we, as we dismiss here today, I really want you guys to think about this. Don't think about me. Don't think about how I pronounce certain words or what I maybe um, uh, uh, omitted to say or neglected to say or that I stumbled here or there. But take your Bible. Go and look at these passages. Go and look at what God said and how He approached this. And you sum that up and you say, but, but that's what I want to pursue. Lord, I, I thank you, Father, that you are the best example for godliness, Father. You are the image that we are trying to conform to God. And in this life, Lord, with a bunch of potholes and a bunch of boulders and a bunch of obstacles in front of us, it is hard. Lord, it is sometimes harder than we expect, Father. It is sometimes uh, we get to a point where we say, I can't take this anymore. Father, and it's in those times, Lord, where we gain the experience that you that you have not neglected us, Father, that you have been there every step of the way and that you are taking care of us. God, I pray that, that this, this, this furnishing, Father, that is taking place today, Lord, that, that you would uh, continue talking to us, Father, as we step out of this church here today, Father, as we step into tomorrow, a new week, Father, that you would keep on talking to us. Father, and please, might we, might we be reminded of this might we be reminded father that we have a pursuit of godliness father we have this this um, charge on us father that is laid on us to be more like you father and if there's anybody in here this morning lord that need to take the first step of being saved i pray that that that, that will happen lord and that, that you will work in their hearts god and, and that they would come and speak to me to to any of the uh, lord any of the men in this church father that uh, francois garrett myself god please that they would get to know you. Father, and I pray that, that for many, Lord, the majority of, of us in here that are saved, I pray that you would prick our hearts, Father, and, and deal with us individually of, of where we need to work on, where we need to change, Father. God, it is a privilege, truly. Lord, it is truly a privilege to be able to feel conviction. It is truly a privilege to know, Lord, to, to, to uh, lean and to put all my faith on the, on the promises that you have made, God, that you will continue this good work in us until the day, Lord, that you return. Father, and we, we trust that. We take that by faith, Lord. And I ask that you will help us to act on that. God, please send us home with your blessing. Um, 
Father, and might we return next week, Father, and, and ready, ready, Father, prepared to hear what you have, uh, have for us, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.